Kia ora, Camilla. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. It's really lovely to be here. So as a member of the Education and Workforce Committee, it's really great that we were able to get you for this. What do you think prompted this movement to promote pay transparency? I think pay transparency has been something that's been talked about within feminist movements um, and in certain uh, communities for quite a long time. Uh, And that's because uh, New Zealand's one of the few countries that doesn't have a pay transparency regime. So I think that a lot of advocates who are looking to decrease the gender pay gap, which we know uh, has remained stubbornly around uh, 10% uh, despite lots of uh, work in this area, have always looked at pay transparency as a possibly another tool towards closing uh, the gender pay gaps. And obviously also a really important element of it is also looking at those pay gaps between different ethnicities as well and looking to close those gaps too. Yeah, and I was wondering why do you think that's important now? I know that some almost similar acts and uh, bills have been turned down before. Yeah, I think there, um, under the previous government, there's been proposed, there was a, a bill, a member's bill, I think, which was not passed. I think that there's been some reservations from some people about making or requiring companies to disclose what has historically been seen as quite private information. But what I would note is that most pay transparency regimes aren't interested in identifying individuals. We've got different tools to use for identifying when there might be, uh, say, an equal pay claim. An Equal Pay Act addresses issues when people maybe have a colleague who's who's a different gender and and they're doing the same job and they might be paid more and it provides an ability to raise that um, as a legal claim. But pay transparency is really looking at um, the overall situation within an organisation or a company. Uh, It's looking at um, kind of the themes in pay. It's not necessarily uh, looking at individuals' pay. So hopefully people don't need to be too worried about any privacy concerns. Mind the Gap, the New Zealand organisation, they stated in a policy recommendation that they put forward last year that reducing income inequality boosts economic growth. Do you have any insight on the statement or anything to add? Yeah, I am. Um, I mean, I think Minor Gap, they've been doing a really impressive uh, campaign uh, in the community for raising awareness around pay transparency issues and promoting the ideas around pay transparency. But I do agree. I think it is likely that if we did have uh, reduced income inequality, that would boost economic growth. I mean, at, at a really basic level, what we're looking at is raising the incomes of, of women, uh, Pacifica women, Māori women. If people on high incomes are likely um, to, if, especially if they're on low incomes to start with, spend uh, their additional money and, and, and contribute to economic growth. So I think that there is a clear link there. How will this pay transparency model fit into current legislation that we have around equal pay and that kind of thing? Well, The status of uh, the proposals that we have uh, in New Zealand at the moment is, um, as some of your listeners may be aware, the Education and Workforce Committee, which I'm a member of, recently did a briefing into pay transparency and made some recommendations moving forward. We haven't received a response from the government who are the decision makers on this issue around what, what their proposal will be. 
So it might be that they recommend that this is looked into further. I think that's probably likely because it's a significant area of policy. It's not a simple issue to solve and it's not something that wouldn't wouldn't require a lot of thinking beforehand. So it might be that they suggest more work. I'm not sure whether they would ultimately suggest amendment to the Equal Pay Act. That could be a possibility. The other alternative would be if they did um, decide to legislate would be to look at a standalone piece of legislation. So I think it could fit into the Equal Pay Act in the sense that the Equal Pay Act was established really when there were different pay rates openly uh, for men and women. It was totally legal to pay a woman less uh, for the same job than it, than it was for a, to pay a man the same amount, for uh, a higher amount for that job. So in the 1970s, uh, the Equal Pay Act was, was passed and, and moved through and changed that, obviously, in New Zealand. And there's been recent amendments to address pay equity, which is when we look at groups of uh, workers who may have suffered gender-based um, discrimination because they're undertaking women's work. So we've seen people like early childhood teachers, care workers, those type of roles bringing claims under the amended Equal Pay Act. Pay transparency is different in the sense that it's looking to get information from organisations to highlight potential issues within those organisations and I could see that fitting into the Equal Pay Act, but I could also see that being uh, a separate piece of work as well. And I don't think in practical terms it really matters exactly where it sits. The important thing is if the government does decide to move through and recommend further measures on pay transparency, that the measures that are really going to make a difference for people. I think that's the important thing that we should be looking at. And obviously pay transparency is now being discussed in media and everything since the briefing. And I've seen some mixed feelings, particularly surrounding the suggestion of putting salaries in job advertisements. Why do you think there's been such a focus on this? I'm not sure. And I'm interested that that that's something that, that you have noticed, that there has been a particular focus on, on that. I suppose um, one reason might be because it wasn't necessarily clear that there would be a recommendation on that when the briefing was started and so it was maybe um, more of a surprise to people that it was included so that might be the reason for the additional attention but this is an, an unusual concept to be exploring I know in the United Kingdom I think that they are, are currently going to start a trial under their conservative government to publish salaries and job advertisements so it's, it's not really a, a very a revolutionary idea. It's more about um, giving people information about roles. I think a lot of your listeners would, would be job seekers at some point in their lives if they haven't been already. And sometimes it can be quite difficult to ascertain if it would be a position you'd be interested in, depending on the remuneration. Um, and that might be because it's in a different city. You might not be willing to move if it's um, maybe uh, pays under a certain amount. So I think that that type of information could be quite helpful, but that's just one of the recommendations that we've, uh, well, the committee has suggested that the government look at. The pay transparency model is overall a very intersectional model. Will there be an opportunity to work with relevant communities such as Māori and Pacifica peoples to guide the implementation of the model in these communities? Yeah, I think that's really important, and I think it is important that um, it, that what is proposed is intersectional and that it looks at 
the experience of, of lots of different cultures and how there might be um, possibly situations where people are uh, statistically more likely to be paid less if they are a woman and also uh, additionally even less than that if they say a Pacific uh, woman and I know that um, our Equal Opportunities Commissioner at the Human Rights Commission has been doing a, a really um, amazing campaign on the Pacific pay gap and looking to close that gap and she's a member of that community and she's really been a, a leader in looking at that particular issue and so I do see that there is um, a role for making sure that and I think it's integrally important that whatever measures are recommended that they have the support of the communities that they affect because I think that's good lawmaking. So the policy recommendation is sort of based around a reporting model. Um, do you think that this will be the extent of pay transparency or do you think that this could be a stepping stone for more policies focusing on pay gaps in the future? Well, I think the the briefing, uh, the response to the briefing and the report that the Educational Workforce Committee did um, didn't recommend a report only model. I think it recommended a more substantive model which would look at reporting but also would look at what um, happens in terms of enforcement of that reporting and also um, positive steps that can be taken to ensure that um, information is provided. But obviously that's for the government to determine when they consider this. I, I mean I think that I don't think the pay gap is going away without action to change the situation that we currently have, but that hasn't been our experience in the past, that the pay gap has closed naturally. So I do think that policies looking at how the pay gap could be closed, especially when we do see those really large pay gaps, for example, a Pakia man and a Pacific woman, they probably do really need policies to address them. Otherwise, uh, they our, our experience in history is that they stubbornly remain. So I would think that that hopefully whatever the government puts in or recommends that they would look at the reporting only, but also a more comprehensive model as well. This pay transparency model that uh, the government is now looking into is a mandatory model. Um, how does this differ and is it more influential than a voluntary one such as the National Party's registry? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. I think that uh, the important thing to remember is that nothing's been really determined at this stage. And so what the committee recommended was, well, what the committee observed is that mandatory pay reporting models are more likely to close gender pay gaps compared with a voluntary one, which was suggested um, in the minority report by the National Party members. I wouldn't say that that was necessarily a, an idea that they're that I've seen them promoting separately, but um, I think that they had some reservations around, and this is consistent with their philosophy, uh, in requiring organisations to to do something that's compulsory in addition to their additional work. So I think it's it's not a surprise that they prefer a voluntary model, but what the committee observed was that voluntary models are less likely to result in closing of uh, pay gaps. 